Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick here as always with Chris Winningham. Now that you found us, make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. That includes Spotify. You can find us there. We get that question a lot. And yes, we are on Spotify among about a dozen podcast apps, whether you have an Apple or an Android phone. Also check out our website, fivereasonsports.com. That's spelled out, fivereasonsports.com. All the latest news, uh, voices, which is kind of our opinion section, video, a shop, also all the information about all of our podcasters. And you can find all of our podcasts there as well. All right. One of our podcasters for Miami Heat Beat is Nikias Duncan. He joined me at the All-Star Game in Charlotte in February. He's been tracking the Miami Heat's big board along with Jack Alfonso and Greg Sylvander, who goes by Lefty Leif, broke the Juwan Howard news this past week. Um, they've been doing so their big boards uh, for the guards, for the wings, for the forwards. Going to have the centers up this week as well. And we're going to talk to Nikias here, sort of big picture about the Miami Heat. And then we'll do a deep dive on some of the players that would make sense. But let's start before we even get to the heat. We've got the NBA Finals coming up on Thursday. And guys, I've made this point kind of over and over as we got to the conference finals that what they've showed is that you can build through the middle in the NBA, like or the, the upper middle, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you look at the four teams that were left and then you kind of throw Denver in the mix as a fifth. And, and even, you know, all of those teams, I mean, you know, there were very few high, high picks. I mean, the two highest picks were basically Evan Turner, who was a second overall, and Kevin Durant, who didn't play in the series uh, as as a number two pick. And other than that, other than Lillard being a six and some of the other guys that went after that, um, you know, most of these players, I mean, Curry was a seven. You know, we talk about Clay was, you know, where he went. Draymond Green was 35th. Um, you know, and, and all down the line. And then Toronto, Kawhi Leonard, 15th, you know, the player that they flipped for De- for Kawhi Leonard, DeMar DeRozan was not a top five, five pick. Kyle Lowry was not a top 10 pick. Serge Ibaka was not a top 10 pick. Marcus Gasol was not a first round pick. And, mm-hmm. and so I, I think as we go through this, I think if you're a Heat fan, it should be somewhat encouraging, right? That like you can get a really good player. I mean, Paul George went 10th, Kawhi went 15th, Giannis went 15th. Can't you get a player like that at 13? I guess what are the prospects of the Heat getting a player like that in this draft? Um, in this draft, I think it's tough because after the top, I would say after the top three, it's really more of a crapshoot than usual. And I think it's really going to depend on how good your scouting department is and how um, easily they can kind of identify um, traits that may not have been apparent in college or overseas. I look at a guy like, um, like you mentioned, Giannis, I think he went, what, 15 in his draft? And the thing that really stood out to him was his frame. You kind of, and he showcased some of the ball handling ability. So you can tell Milwaukee kind of had that long-term view is, okay, if we kind of bring him along slowly, let him build weight slowly instead of just throwing him in the weight room, got to um, cultivate his development, then there's a path to him being a, um, a ball handling wing with size. And I'm not sure they envision him becoming a top three or so player in the league. But those are the kind of guys you have to swing on, the guys that have skills that may not have been um, fully utilized, but you kind of see those flashes. Um, high character guys, that's where Kawhi comes in. He could not shoot a lick in college. But the thing about him coming in was that he, on top of being a plus defender, he was an incredibly hard worker. And once you put him with, uh, uh, the name escapes me, San Antonio shooting coach. There we go. England. Yeah, there we go. And you put that kind of work ethic with a renowned shooting coach like that, and now you see what Kawhi has turned into. He's one of the best pull-up threats in the league. He's an elite defender, a great finisher. And he has ripped virtually everyone to shreds in this postseason. So I think there's going to be the onus is going to be on the Heat to kind of find those high character guys with skills that they can kind of build upon. Yeah, I feel like I feel like one of the points that I'm going to drive home a lot, and I'm going to ask you uh, to kind of uh, guide me along in in this process in terms of picking out some of the prospects is. I would almost say raw. I think raw is what the Heat should be looking for right now. I think um, they have a few guys that are in the solid realm um, in in Bam, in Justice, and in Josh. Um, I, I'd say firmly in the solid realm. But 
I don't think they have a player that's in the spectacular realm. And while we are saying that it's difficult to find, right? And and I think even as you say, you know, this is a three-player draft and that there are there are players um, that, you know, have that high ceiling at the top. Um, there are always a couple, even in, in times in which uh, we can't find it. So uh, who would you kind of cl- classify as upper end athletic, upper end skilled, or upper end ceiling uh, is sort of a combination of any of those ideas uh, that you think could be out there in this draft. Um, I think in this draft, I think you have to kind of start that conversation with Sekou Dumbaya. He's, if you're going to try to make that kind of loose Giannis comparison to a, a guy that has fantastic athletic traits but isn't quite ready yet, I think it's him. Um, six nine wing with some ball handling ability, can finish in transition can defend a little bit, but he's rail thin and he's still kind of learning how to play. So I think you start with him. Um, Bol Bol is probably the most polarizing guy in the draft because he might be the best shooter in the draft at 7'2", but he's also thin as a pencil. So it's, <laughs> you really have to trust, I mean, you have to trust your training staff that you can kind of reasonably um, size him up some. But he has um, upper, he has upper echelon skill, I think. So I think Sekou, Bol Bol, um, in terms of skill, Kevin Porter Jr. is another wild card guy. Um, I'm sure we'll get into him a little deeper later in this pod, but um, he definitely fits the most as a guy that you want to see more from. But he's flashed elite level shot creation um, in college and in the high school levels. Um, he had an odd year last year, but I still think that kind of potential is there. He's we'll probably round up my top three in that kind of regard. So I'm looking at some pictures of Riley, you know, at these various workouts, and I'm seeing Chet Cameron next to him, and I'm finding that interesting because I thought Chet quit. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, um. Um, and and so I see Chet there, and I know Adam Simon's still involved, and I, I know obviously that they've got Nick and Andy and others in the big picture decisions that Eric has to say, and there's a lot of voices in the room. And, I mean, this goes back to, you know, the Winslow situation when you know, they were offered all these draft picks, and Pat went to one of those other people I just mentioned who was in the room and said, do you want the picks? Because you always say you want the picks, or do you want the player? And he said, take the player. Um, but what's interesting to me about Chet being there is because Chet has kind of been behind, I think, a couple of their better moves lately. And I, Josh Richardson sticks out, okay, being drafted 40th. And I'm just curious in your mind, because if you were to say how well have the Heat drafted, right, since, uh, you know, and, and we're not, I'm not going to go back to the LeBron years because they weren't really drafting, right? Like, they, mm-hmm. I mean, they moved up for Norris Cole, right? I mean, but other than that, they didn't which, do a which, whole I lot. Mean, because they he, didn't have a, he didn't have a great NBA career. You could argue it was still a good pick, though. He, he contributed to championship-winning teams. I think that's a pretty solid pick at, in, in the late 20s. Yeah, no, it was. There were a couple guys that went after that I don't want to discuss. But right, they, they <laughs> but but yeah, I mean, it, it was a good pick and, and it fit what they needed because they needed it because basically they made a decision to keep Eddie House over Patrick Beverly or they wouldn't have needed to make that decision. Right. Because Beverly would have been, you know, sort of the the pit bull defensive, you know, backup point guard behind Rio. And, you know, they didn't they didn't have him. So they went out and got Norris Cole, which which, again, worked out fine, like you said, for a period of time. Um, but obviously the Napier move. Shabazz has turned in a pretty decent NBA player, but was not really what they needed at the time. And we can talk about others going back, but I'm just going to go from, from kind of 2015 forward. How would you grade how the heat have drafted in terms of the spots they've been in and the players that they've taken? Um, I would probably say a B, maybe a B plus. I mean, I think, in hindsight, the 2015 draft looks fantastic for them. Um, I was one of the guys that was very loud, banged on the table for um, the Heat to end up with Stanley Johnson somehow. And then Justice Winslow slide. I'm like, okay, well, that works. I like Justice too. I just didn't think he was going to be there. And now Stanley Johnson is kind of hanging on by a thread in his NBA career. And Justice looks like a point guard that can defend three positions. Um, the Josh Richardson pick was obviously great. Um, he obviously frustrated the fan base a little bit in his trial run as a number one option. But, I mean, he's still a very good player on a great contract. I think they nailed that. The Bam pick, uh, one that I didn't really like when it happened because I thought this was just drafting a, a solid backup big man, a rim runner. And it turns out he can handle a little bit and defend everywhere. Um, I don't think the Heat have done a bad job in the draft at all. I think my biggest gripe with them is – punting on a bunch of picks so we really don't have as large of a sample as we like at this point yeah and that's that's my point of contention as well is that I actually think from a a drafting player standpoint 
to be picking at 10, uh, they took Bamwood at 14 uh, and 40, and those be kind of your, your major picks in this period. And to have three solid NBA players, that is atypical. I think Toronto has built this on the back of players in that range. Denver has built, you know, their core on the back of that range, but it's not mm-hmm. that common to to have that those opportunities and i mean you can go through the history of 10th picks and 14th picks and 40th picks and even uh, you know you're banging on them for the Draymond Green thing i mean you know some teams passed on Draymond Green twice i mean it's not it, it's i don't think it's that big of a criticism even though he was there uh, and there were people in the organization advocating for him but um it, yeah i mean to have nba players uh, how many times does absolutely nothing come out of a pick like 14 it's why people talk about uh wanting to be high in the lottery um, you're seeing a bit more depth to these drafts and coming from surprise places. And Miami has done a sensational job of finding these players. Really, as you mentioned, Akaius, the only infuriating part is that uh, Pat Riley in a previous life, he's not doing it now, and fair play to him for for kind of reforming a little bit that position, is that he just kind of disregarded and sort of failing to realize what was happening within his own organization, which seems so atypical for him, that the Heat are getting good at developing young players, finding them in the G League, uh, finding them later on in the draft and in the mid-teens as well. Um, they're getting good at this now, and they should arguably be adding picks, not not subtracting from them. So that, that would be the only way that you'd Uh, the Heat's recent draft history is that they just haven't had enough bites at the apple considering A, they're a lot in the NBA uh, since LeBron left, you know, best case, a second round of the playoffs team for the most part, uh, right on the fringes of the playoffs. You should have all your picks uh, when you're in that kind of range. Um, But but also uh, the fact that they've given away all their seconds and, you know, sometimes for cap space and for luxury tax purposes, um, that's a bit infuriating when they've done well there. But um, it, really, the only issue for me is that they haven't had more opportunities. Not that they've particularly failed on any of them. And, and you look at so you look at win shares um, in in the recent in the last four drafts. Uh, Josh Richardson is seventh. Bam Adebayo is 19th, and Justice Winslow is 33rd. Now, uh, some of that is um, is injury, and some of that was, I mean, Winslow uh, has played some poor games at times, and, uh, you know, his recent run uh, has only begun to counterbalance that. But, I mean, to have, what, three of the top 35 players um, in, in this last run of, you know, 120 players picked is pretty damn solid from a heat point of view. Let's look at those three players that we're talking about. Uh, Bam, Justice, um, and and also Josh. And just your assessment, Nikias, uh, you mentioned they tried to sort of force Josh to be the first option. I think he's a third option on a good team. I, and and that's, there's nothing wrong with that, but I just think that's what he is. Um, what is the upside? Like, if I was to say to you, best case scenario, they're all still members of the Miami Heat in three years, which I think is unlikely, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just, but let's just say the best case scenario, they're all members of the Miami Heat and they are going to be this. What are each of those players? Um, I think in an ideal world, you're looking at Bam Adebayo is a guy that looks a lot like Pascal Siakam, who finally gets some um, some freedom to handle the ball in transition, kind of operate the high post in the half court. Let him run some pick and rolls. Let him draw an abundance of fouls because that's what he does when he actually gets those ball handling reps. Um, he's already a guy that can defend all five positions. He rebounds pretty well. Um if he improves his touch at all, there's some pick and pop potential there. Even if he isn't a consistent three-point threat, he's going to be a guy that can knock down a 16, 17-footer. And we saw that more towards the second half of the season that he started getting comfortable taking those little short jumpers. Um, so I'm looking – Bam is kind of like Pascal prototype. Uh, Josh Richardson has some pick and roll craft to his game. I don't think he can create well enough to be that number one option. But I kind of look at him, and Heat fans are probably laughing at me, but like kind of in that Chris Middleton mold as a guy that can kind of carry your offense for stretches with pull-up shooting, um, can get to the rim, can make the basic reads in pick and roll, and he's also a guy that can defend all over the place. I think Josh Richardson, I don't think he's close to his ceiling, per se, but I think he's already a high-impact guy, and I don't think that should be slept on just because he was kind of miscast as the number one this year. And Justice is the guy that really intrigues me because he is finally playing point guard. Um, He has a kind of always had advanced passing reads. The finishing started to come last year. The spot-up shooting, I think, is real. Um, if the pull-up shooting becomes real at all, you're looking at a three-level guy at 6'7", that can get to the rim, can make all the passes you want him to, um, can knock down spot-up shots, can attack closeouts, and can defend all over the place. And I don't really know what the comp is for that. Um, actually, I'll take that back. I was thinking about this about a week or so ago. If Justice is fully actualized, is he a slightly bigger Drew Holiday? It's it's not a bad shout because I think um, Drew Holiday leading a team 
Um, he's certainly gotten his assist numbers up, but um, it's generally in the context of, like, for example, New Orleans worked at its best, in my view, when it was him and Rondo, right? It's it's not him in a sort of a star playmaking role, um, but in a secondary, but also can be primary playmaking role in minutes when the other ball handler is on the bench. I, I just wonder, and maybe Nikais, you can answer this question uh, for me. Just what a team around Justice Winslow looks like. I think Josh Richardson makes sense um, based off what you're describing. Um, but mm-hmm. again, I think in, in terms of developing star quality, in terms of developing, you know, reach the Eastern Finals kind of quality, what does that team have to look like around Justice in order for that to happen? Um, I think they are an elite shooter short <clears throat> of really opening up what Justice can be because, as I said, he can he can penetrate the basket whenever. He can get to his spots. Getting to his spots wasn't an issue in his second year. He just couldn't shoot or finish anything. So it was just a mess. But he's a guy that can – he can puncture just about any defense you throw at him just because he's physical, he has a great first step, and he has very good court vision. Um, Josh Richardson is already a very smart cutter. Bam Adebayo is a great screener, smart cutter, um, very good role threat. So I think once you add – um, a little bit more shooting around those guys, I think that kind of opens you up for a slightly above average or even a good offense just because Justice can kind of break defenses down. And then once you put high IQ guys around him or guys that can space the floor, it's going to be kind of harder to slow him down when he gets downhill. Today's episode also brought to you by Doral Toyota. We're excited to tell you about one of our great partners. That is Doral Toyota, where you can find all your favorite Toyota models. Whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle, Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from International and Dolphin Malls. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. In-house financing is available for credit-related issues. Also, if you mention five reasons when you call 305 680 1129 or come in the dealership you'll work with a dedicated manager not a salesman unlike other dealers Durout Toyota prides itself on an honest and transparent buying process that's Durout Toyota DuroutToyota.com or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street vamos let's go Durout Toyota all right, so let's move on from those three players and let's look at this particular draft. And bef- again, I keep saying this, but before we get into the deep dive on the players themselves, I just want to ask you a, high, a sort of a philosophical question here. Um, I have always been, whether it's NFL or NBA, a best player available person. Um, I don't believe in need picks, I, I particularly in the NBA, because to me, when you make a need pick, you make a decision not to take Dwayne Wade in 2003 because you have Eddie Jones. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, my, my thing is you go get the best possible players and the NBA is flexible enough and there are enough different sort of schemes that you can create around the talents of those players. If you have a good enough coaching staff that you can make it work. Do you agree with that or is there any situation where you look at the heat, what the Heat have right now and you say, well, this is a need. We need to go get this player to fill this spot. I think it kind of crosses both lines because in terms of need, the only thing the Heat is missing is an elite shot creator and a guy that can just kind of get a bucket whenever. So I think on that front, the Heat need to find that guy. But they also kind of need to make sure that, they can, that he fits around um, the core they already have because I don't think you want to draft, um, let's say, Nasir Little to kind of be a wing if you already feel like Josh Richardson, Justice Winslow handled that. And Nasir Little isn't a guy that is going to um, create shots for himself or others. He's more of a play finisher than a play creator. Um, you want to find a guy that can kind of fit with those guys. And when you look at this Heat roster, for me, the thing that sort of jumps out in terms of, you know, if you're thinking about need or you're thinking about not drafting a player because, you know, they, they could be redundant. I think the center position is probably the place um, that is you least need right now. Hassan mm-hmm. Whiteside is probably going to pick up his option. You've already dedicated a ton of resources. You've, de- you've dedicated a recent draft pick. Um, I, I don't think I, – I wouldn't consider the center position unless uh, you think that Bol Bol is just this ridiculous prospect um, and from a shooting standpoint could open up your team and can help mm-hmm. it, you know, from a rim protection point of view that you, you, you get sold by it and you go for it and you take that risk. Other than that, I don't think – I'd go for a center in this draft. Um, we, we've mentioned at times on this podcast the surplus of wings, although I don't think you could have enough of those. I think that's a that, that's a problem of the rich uh, at the moment in the NBA. Um, if you're thinking about need, it probably would be like a 
backup point guard type. If there was some, you know, junior or senior point guard that, you know, has marshaled a tournament team for a while and just has the so I think of I think of Kendall Marshall from a few years back at UNC. I remember watching him in person at the University of Miami and going, that's just a that's just a professional basketball player that knows how to run a team. I mean, I think the Heat, uh, if they're drafting for need, could do with one of those, but uh, as I said at the beginning, I think they should be shooting for the stars. So whatever the highest ceiling process, not even the, the best prospect or, you know, the, the, the guy who can most contribute next year. To me, they should be drafting for ceilings because because I think they don't have any on their team. I don't think they have any players at the moment right now that have, uh, that you know, superstar ceiling. Isn't Brogdon kind of what you're talking about, right? I mean, that's that's sort of, uh, you know, what, I mean, you're talking I mean, he was a multi-year college player, right? Yeah. Who mm-hmm. comes in and was good right away. And now he's an effective player you know, on, on a very, very good team, but he's never going to be a star. I, I, I just, if the Heat do something like that, that will drive me insane. It just, it's just, I mean, like you said, they're just not in position to go get one player. I think what's a little odd now, I know you mentioned you can never have enough wings. We were talking last year about the two-guard position, that they had six options at one point, right? Mm-hmm. And now they have two that I can see, right? It's just two. It's it's Richardson and Waiters. I mean, there's nobody else has left. Ellington's gone. Wade's gone. Tyler Johnson's gone. They've cleared out. The, Magruder's gone. They've cleared out the whole damn position. So, I mean, I, I don't really want them to draft somebody there because I want Josh to play 35 minutes there a night. And, mm-hmm. you know, that that that's kind of how, you know, that tells you what I feel about Dion. But I, <laughs> I just – <laughs> right. I mean, I, but I don't think they need another one, but I, I would be really disappointed if they go for need. I, I think this is the clearest time in their history, maybe other than 2003, where it was just about going to get the best possible player. They need somebody to sell. And I've noticed that they've transitioned now with their marketing team to selling the three young guys. And I like all three young guys and they're all personable. Um, they're all good kids. Like they're all they all get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, but I just don't know that they're going to, I'm not seeing a ton of those jerseys around town, you know, and I, I don't know how that's going to work. And, you know, the, the great thing about Dwayne was that it distracted everybody from the problems in the organization. And the bad thing about Dwayne is it distracted everybody from anything that was positive in the organization. <laughs> All right. And so now you're at a point where you're sort of starting from ground zero, trying to promote kids who are at this stage, not Dwayne, because nobody could be in terms of what his, his profile is here. Right. So- and and, and I, I hear in politics now all the time when it comes to the, the, you know, the presidential race, it's name ID and, you know, Joe Biden is 100% name ID. Well, Dwayne Wade has 100% name ID in Miami. And I just don't think, again, amongst heat fans, right. Where we're, you know, we, we are talking to that demographic um, amongst heat fans, you know, he, you know, Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson and Bam Adebayo do, but I, I don't think they're sort of in the in the cultural uh, relevance in terms of, as you said, you know, wearing a jersey out. I don't think people, you know, y- y- people my age are going to go to the wharf wearing a Vice Josh Richardson jersey. I just don't think it's cool uh, to 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 be wearing the jersey of these players, and they just don't have that same recognition. Nor, I mean, would would a casual just wants to buy a jersey, buy a jersey of any of these players? Now, again, I don't think that's how you make basketball decisions but I do think uh, you know once owners get involved and you know I think Mickey Arison and, and the Heat organization have seen uh, without question a windfall uh, from having the last 18 months of Dwayne Wade uh, you wonder if that affects their calculus at all but you're right I mean from a marketing standpoint from a you know star building standpoint um, they're they're at a bit of ground zero at the moment they are and and even last year I mean they made a decision I mean this is kind of our thing right this justice better thing and I know that there was an organizational edict put in, you know, for the broadcasters not to say that on air. And, you know, and it wasn't because it was us, but I, but I just, you know, I know why they did it. um, And I understand kind of the reasoning behind it, but I just think they need to be promoting these players any possible way um, that they can. All right, let's deep dive now into what the heat could do at 13 and let's start now you've written you've got three articles already on the site, you and Jack and Leif, and I are going to recommend that you guys check this out. At five reasons sports.com let's start with the guards um and you kind of you have a tier one here and i don't know if this is a guy who's going to make it this far because he could go top 10 easily uh but talk to me a little bit about kobe white from north carolina um kobe white is a guy that i like a lot because he can handle the ball he can make pretty sound decisions i think there's room for him to grow as a shot creator for others but he's a guy that can score on all three levels and that's the kind of guard that you need alongside the heat and the fact that he isn't like a ball of a ball pounder a guy that's going to run your offense like a Chris Paul 
that opens it up for Justice Winslow to kind of be that guy. So I think there's a great fit between those two in the backcourt. There really isn't any stepping on toes. They all can kind of float between running the offense and kind of um, attacking off, uh, feeding off of the other's attacks. So I kind of like that. Um, what kind of soured me a little bit on him is that he just has alligator arms. Um, 6'5 with a 6'5 wingspan. He's a solid defender, but there really isn't much upside there. He does need to get a little bit stronger. Um, he doesn't have the switchability that you would like, but even if you're sliding him at point guard at 6'5, I mean, that's Malcolm Brogdon range if you're just looking for like a size comp. So I think there, I mean, there's room for it to work there. But like you said, I think at this point, he's probably going to go um, in that 6 to 10 range. So I don't really see how Miami lands him at this point. A lot of teams love him now. Well, all right. And let, let me, before again, before we get into some other players, again, a big picture question here. Is there any player in this draft, and I don't even know that the Heat have an asset to be able to do this, to be honest. But is there any player in this draft that you could see going between five and 10 that you think it would be worth the heat giving up something of value to get? to move up to get no i do not i think the only player that you really even consider i mean zion's off the table that that's just not gonna happen um i don't really love the john morant fit in miami i have my own questions about him anyway but he i think he's kind of settled in as like the consensus number two in the draft um i think you start to at least consider it when it comes to rj barrett and you're looking at the three range i can't remember who suggested like a hypothetical deal between miami flipping josh richardson at 13 for to the Knicks for three. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Here's something. Um, I say no to that, but I think that's something that the Heat would probably consider if it was actually on the table. I think RJ Barrett is he might be the best shot creator in the draft, and he's a wing with size that can play can play one through three, honestly. So I think he would be the kind of guy that has some star upside that the Heat would like to look at. But in the five to ten range, absolutely not. I think you just kind of you stick with your guns. You make the the upside swing at thirteen. We'll get back to today's episode in a second, but first I want to tell you about one of our new sponsors here in the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is the attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg. Find them at onecalllegal.com. That's O-N-E-calllegal.com, or actually call 855 855- 5,000 Law LAW. They handle cases including but not limited to car accidents, slip and falls, and any personal injury matters. Additionally, if you mention five reasons, they will handle your traffic ticket for $44.99 with a new 15,000 square foot office opening on I-95 in North Miami. They will handle cases all over South Florida. Call now with 24-7 service for a free consultation. OneCallLegal.com or 855-5000-LAW. The attorneys at Seltzer Mayberg, a proud sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Well, I mean, and you forgot the most important thing. He went to Duke, and, well, and we know that we, we know that that elevates that elevates well, you and, in and, the heat and, and that and, and the way that you phrase it, it, it's a good point because I think New York um, would certainly consider more in terms of trading from trading from three if they knew they were getting Duran and Kyrie, and that sort of goes back to the question about when you do the draft in comparison to free agency. Because I think if the draft came after free agency, there wouldn't be a question that New York would take an entirely different approach if they knew they were getting those guys. But right now, they don't know if they're getting those guys. So uh, I, I I think they're just going to make the pick at three. And uh, and if they you know come across a trade offer a la Andrew Wiggins with Kevin Love, uh, then you go and make it. But at the moment, I think they just stick with three. And, and by the way, I think it should be flipped. I think it should be the way the NFL does it. I, I prefer 
you get your veterans first and then figure out how you want to play your rookies. I mean, I always go back to the Heat's example. They never would have taken Darrell Wright. Never. They would have taken Jameer Nelson. Or so, I mean, Stan didn't well, like Jameer well, Nelson we, at the we time. We definitely know they, would have, they, they wouldn't have taken Napier because <laughs> LeBron would have well, been the, gone. If and LeBron you don't have to, was leaving, right. Your... No, 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 there's no doubt. But even Darrell, because they, they, they drafted Darrell and then they went and got Shaq. I mean, they were drafting yeah. Darrell to play with uh, with Butler and Odom and Dwayne, and and then they got Shaq, and the whole calculus of the team and the timeline of the team changed. Yeah, and they probably would have taken Jameer Nelson for that team. Which again, like I said, what was funny is Stan was the one who didn't like Jameer Nelson, and then he ended up loving Jameer Nelson in Orlando. <laughs> um, all right, let's go to Darius Garland from Vanderbilt. Um, not from a player standpoint, I know that, uh, but necessarily, but from just a, a lack of collegiate experience standpoint, it, this feels a little Kyrie-ish to me, um, mm-hmm. you know, because, uh, because, I mean, he played five games, right? What did Kyrie play at Duke? Seven, I think it was. And so I, I don't know how you evaluate him. Um, can he be a starter in his first two years in the league? Um, I believe he can be that. Yes. I think there's enough. What really intrigues a lot of people, what intrigues me at least is the pull-up shooting. The fact that he can get his shot off whenever he wants to, and that range extends to around 30 feet. Uh, I'm not really a fan of the Damian Lillard comps that he's been getting. I think there's just, um, there are some obvious holes in his game. He's very slight, has a very slight frame. He's not a great finisher. He doesn't have the vision that Damian Lillard came into the league with. And now he's much better than what he was five or six years ago. But um, I think the pull-up shooting is really what um, would sell him as a guy. So I, th- I think he's going to start wherever he gets drafted. I think he's that much of a um, on-ball shooting threat. I'm looking at uh, some of the guys that are in the range, you know, in the ESPN mock draft at the guard, at the guard position. Um, Kevin Porter from USC. Um, I I feel like I'm going to be an ageist on this podcast. I look at, you know, age 18, and I'm intrigued by that. <laughs> um, uh, Tyler, is it Harrow or Hero for, for Kentucky? Um, a, a player that, that's developed a bit of an offensive game and is interesting. Uh, they have him, but ESPN isn't going 16 to Orlando. Um, who do you think, because, I mean, you mentioned uh, there with Darius Garland, he's right now projected to go four in ESPN. Uh, Jarek uh, Culver of Texas Tech and Kobe White, who we talked about, are, you know, top seven picks. Um, guys more in the range for Miami or Porter uh, and uh, and Hero. What, what do you make of prospects like them? I feel like Hero would be a heat pick just because he's, um, he's a high character guy. Uh, I don't want to cliche him out because he does legit have some ball skills. He's not just a shooter. Um, he's developed more of a drive game. He has some pull-up equity. Um, not quite a, not a great playmaker, but a guy that can make the basic reads. I kind of worry about his defensive potential, but the Heat pretty much can make anyone defend at this point. I never thought, even though Derrick Jones Jr. is just in a different stratosphere as an athlete, I didn't really see the defensive IQ for him to be an impact guy, and now he looks like he's going to be one of the best wing defenders in the league. So at this point, I, I just trust the Heat. Um, but I think Kevin Porter Jr. is the guy that the Heat are probably going to key in on at this point. Because if he hits, um, you're looking at an all-star guard, I believe. Because he he is just a fantastic on-ball threat. He shot poorly in college. That there, there was just a lot going on with the suspensions, the injuries. It was just a weird year at USC from top to bottom, and he didn't really help himself in that regard. But um, he has those flashes. He can hit those contested mid-range jumpers. He can get to the rim. He has a form that I trust. I think he's going to be a plus shooter. Um, that, that that's the kind of that's the kind of guy that he probably need to take the swing on a guy that has the ability to take over an offense whenever because that's the one thing that they're missing right now. Well, the one thing you mentioned in here, and I, I know that they say that the the biggest translator to shooting in the pros tends to be free throw shooting, mm-hmm. and and he shot fifty two percent. I mean, I mean, I know Winslow was not a good free throw a free throw shooter in college either. Mm-hmm. Is that a concern? Um, it's a slight concern, but I think you're going to get more value from him as an off um as an off the dribble shooter and those percentages are going to be typically that's going to lower your percentage anyway so i'm not too much concerned about that just his play style he gets downhill he can pull up on the dime whatever i think he's going to be a tough shot maker you just have to rein him in a little bit and make sure that isn't all he takes um you don't want him to become a dion and that kind of hurts to say but um but yeah i think that that's still that's the kind of guy that he needs to take that flyer on so what are the chances because I, I mean the talk out of chicago um talking to people who were there was that you know it just doesn't look like porter's going to make it to 13 and yet i keep seeing him mocked there by some so i mean isn't he the kind of guy though i mean you're talking about a boomer bus player people just saw what happened with Giannis and who was a boomer bust player, at least was projected. I know for different reasons, but it was talked about that he was going to take a while mm-hmm. to get to a certain point. I mean, see, I, I mean, are we talking about somebody who's not going to be there at 13? I, I just don't buy it because I just don't see who takes him that high. 
because I, I heard the same chatter about him possibly going like top 10. I've seen him mocked as high as five to Cleveland. And at that point, I'm just, I just don't see Cleveland taking Kevin Porter Jr. over, say, Jared Culver if he lasts or over. R.J. Barrett, if he slips past the Knicks, or um, a Cam Reddish. I just don't see Kevin Porter Jr. wowing enough teams in the interview room, wowing them enough on court, even though he looks like he's been very good in his workout. I just don't see him going that highly. I think he's going to be available in Miami's range. We'll get back to our episode here in a second. But first, I want to tell you about a great new sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is ShipYourCarNow.com. These guys can move any car boat, RV, motorcycle, or equipment anywhere you need worldwide. You have a business and need to ship freight or machinery? Call them. College moves, new car, used car, buying the toy you've looked at for a while? Call them. These guys can ship it all, so give them a call. Here's the number, 1-800-264-4644. That's 1-800-264-4644, or visit shipyourcarnow.com backslash Five reasons. Also, make sure to mention five reasons on the phone. I wish, look, I wish they'd I, they'd had this when I was going to college. This would have been great for me. I needed to get my car down from Baltimore to Florida. I ended up taking the auto train. You don't want to take the auto train. Ship your car, fly. No job too big or too small. Ship your car now. Moves it all. All right, let's give you a couple more guards here before we move on to some of the wings. Uh, Romeo Langford from Indiana, who's six six, which you know that's attractive. Uh, and then uh, you, you had under the radar here, Tyler Harrow, uh, the Kentucky freshman, who I know is one of the better shooters um, in the draft. And I know we said uh, Giancarlo Navis hates this guy. You wrote in the uh, in, in your piece here. Um, what, what, what do you think uh, would be his upside? And also another one you mentioned was Carson Edwards, who actually you know made it to his junior year at Purdue. I'm not particularly high on Carson Edwards. I think he's more gunner than shot creator. I know he had like a ridiculous workload at Purdue, so I think that's gonna that hinders his numbers a bit. He had to do just about everything, but he's a very small guy, a short, stocky guy. There is really isn't much defensive upside there, and I'm just not sure if he shoots well enough to kind of um to kind of warrant a draft slot. Miami have to trade into the second round or just trade all the way out of the first to even reasonably get him. So I don't think it's that much of a possibility, but I'm not too high on him. Harold would be fine as a um, as a trade back candidate, I think. I don't see the Devin Booker type thing to where he was kind of hitting it, Kentucky. I do think he has more on-ball skills than he's been able to show, but I don't see that kind of upside at all. I don't think he has that kind of feel to a game. Um, Romeo Langford is interesting. If he shoots at all, I think he's going to be one of the best players out of this draft class. I think you mentioned 6'6". Six, six. He also has a 6'10 wingspan. He can defend very well. He's probably the third best finisher in this class behind Zion and Brandon Clark. So I think that would be a great fit. If you want Josh Richardson to slide it in two long-term, Romeo Langford has the size and the length to kind of be that long-term three for you. You would just have to hope that he could get his three-point shot under control. Um, he actually came into college known as a guy that can knock down shots, but he shot, uh, what, 27% from three last year. And he did play with, um, I believe it was a wrist injury. It was either a wrist injury or a hand injury. He played through that. So I think that hindered his shooting splits a little bit. And even then, he shot over 70% from the line. So I think there's room for um, there's room for optimism there. If he shoots, I think he the Miami Heat would love him. He works hard. He defends well. He's a great slasher. If the shot comes, he's going to be an all-around player. I do like Romeo Life for quite a bit. All right, let's move on. Actually, before we get to the wings, let's look at some forwards here just because I'm sort of curious for your opinion on this player. Another player has been mocked to the Heat a lot is Brandon Clark. And there seems to be uh, a lot of, I don't know, a lot of disparate opinion on him. Mm-hmm. kind of what the actual upside is, uh, you know, for the for the Gonzaga junior. Uh, what are your thoughts of him being there at 13? And, and what are your thoughts about the Heat taking him? It seems not to be very popular on Heat Twitter. But for me, if Brandon Clark is available at 13, you send the pick in before Adam Silver can sit down or Mark Tatum sits down, whoever's running it. You send the pick in ASAP. He's at worst the second best defender in the class. He's an incredible finisher. He's a good passer. Um, he's a guy that can make passing reads off the short roll situations. Um, great finisher. Uh, I, there isn't much bad to say about him. You don't like the arms, but he's an explosive athlete. He's a great shot blocker despite the lack of wingspan. Um, strong guy, can punch above his weight, switchable. Uh, he is just, he's basically the best parts of Bam out of bio 
but he can actually finish non-dunk, non-dunk attempts. So, I mean, there, there's just a lot to love about Brandon Clark. I get the age thing. I get the wingspan thing. You need three-point shot to kind of um, develop, but he shot well from the, he shot relatively well from the free throw line for his role. And um, he has elite touch. So I don't think it's hard to project him being a plus spot-up shooter at least. And that's really all you need him to do because he can do everything else. My, my ageism is kicking in right now, though. So <laughs> so I guess my question would be, why why was he in college for so long? 22 uh, to be coming out of the draft. He'll be 23 before his first NBA game. I mean, it's a pretty major concern for me because to me, and, and this is harsh, right? Because you've seen older players come out and do well. And Josh Richardson has certainly uh, done that. But um, Josh Richardson is hitting his stride right now, and he's 26. So yeah. I, I I just think that it's a bit too late in the game uh, for a player like that to really have a, a huge ceiling. Again, you're you're looking for an NBA player here at this range. So I'm not I'm not going to doubt you and say that you you think that this guy is an NBA player. But um, I, at the same time, that age number is a concern. Understandable. I will say. Um, him transferring from, I believe, San Jose State. I think that kind of skews it in terms of his um, his experience and his age coming out of the draft. But also, he, um, I mean, he is just a guy that I really trust as a workout warrior. He was a terrible shooter in his first couple of years, and he's kind of reworked the free throw form. He's reworked his um, jump shot even recently in shooting um, in shooting drills. His form is a little cleaner. His release point is a little bit higher. Um, and again, he has elite touch, so I think that's a little translatable. For a guy that works as hard as he does, if he irons out the kinks of his jumper, I think that comes. And then you're looking at what one of the most complete prospects in this year's class. And this class is such a crapshoot. It's kind of hard to pass on a guy that plays the game and feels the game as well as he does. All right. Now we talk about guys that could be fits uh, from a positional standpoint. And one guy who jumped out to you guys was P.J. Washington from Kentucky, where we know that we talk about the Heat having, you know, bigs. Mm-hmm. All three of which seem better suited to play the five, right? And so unless we want a heavy dose of either James Johnson, which I don't think we do, or a heavy <laughs> dose of Derek Jones Jr. sort of kind of out of position. I don't really know what his position is going to be yet, but it's not ideal. And then, you know, you kind of have to figure out what the combinations are. That P.J. Washington from Kentucky may make some sense. What do you like? I th- um, Leif actually nailed this one down. He loves P.J. Washington. He's heard quite a bit about him. Um, I'm just now kind of catching up to the height. I've been hearing him mock, hearing and seeing him mock to the Heat for like a month and a half. And people are asking me about him on Twitter. I'm just like, I haven't gotten to him yet. I don't know. But now that I've kind of started to dig in, watch some tape, read a bunch of people that I trust, I'm starting to warm up to P.J. Washington quite a bit. Um, 6'8 guy, I think he's going to be a forward the next level. And the fact that he can already shoot is a plus if you're sliding Bam is as the five of the future. Um, P.J. Washington seems like a great fit there. Um, does have some attack ability, though he does need to get a little bit better as a finisher. Um, can defend a little bit. I think as he gets more experience, kind of becomes a better team defender. I think that's going to be a great fit there. And again, I trust the Heat to develop those guys in a team um, defensive from a team defensive standpoint. Um, I like PJ. Um, if you're looking at if you're having Bam at the five, you're going to need a guy at the four that can really shoot. And PJ Watson can do that. And if there's upside for more, that's just gravy. Sekou Dumboya uh, is an interesting player to me. First off, the Heat I don't think have done nearly enough. Uh, from an international standpoint in terms of, you know, drafting and developing. Um, again, th- this is an area that they're good at now. They haven't really done it with international players, so that intrigues me. Um, right now uh, on ESPN, he's mocked at nine, so that might be a bit too high uh, for him. But I, I, the other thing, too, that might start to happen is players like him that are 18 years of age um, are coming off of pro seasons, like Luka Doncic uh, coming into the league and playing well after playing professional basketball. Dumboya as well, uh, playing in France. Um, professionally before coming over to the U.S. and, and moving into the NBA. Um, the fact that he has, you know, that, that level of pedigree is, is something that's intriguing to me. Um, do you think that he would ever go in this direction? I would doubt it only because, as you mentioned, they haven't really had the history of scouting those international guys heavily. I think they, they love the Duke and Kentucky factory, apparently. So I think they're going <laughs> to kind of stick with those bigger schools. But um, I would I would like Sekou in Miami if he slides to 13. I think he's one of the upside plays that you make there. Um, him, Kevin Porter Jr. for obviously different reasons. Um, guys that have room to really be stars if they develop. Again, Sekou's kind of a slight guy. He he does have some pro experience experience, but he needs more reps. And you know, shifting over from France to the U.S. Um, dealing with the NBA physicality, I think it's going to be a challenge for him early on. But as he adds weight, um, I think his size and his um, and his ability as a ball handler really 
intrigues me. I think that would be a great pick for the Heat, but I just don't see them making it if he's there. All right, let's go to Hachimura now. Um, I know that uh, every time this comes up that Giancarlo, you know, uh, starts to throw confetti on Twitter. Um, oh, and buddy. Uh, this is his guy. Uh, but like you said, I mean, there's a quote in here, and I'm assuming this was you who wrote this. Uh, there are just some very obvious holes that I can't really get past. So once we get past the fact that, you know, he can score, um, which, you know, is something that the Heat clearly need, uh, you're talking about a guy who shot 42% from three uh, all as well. What are the holes? Uh, can you sort of explain them and, and what would be your concerns? He is one of the worst off-ball defenders I've seen on that level. And I don't want to pretend like I'm some master scout, um, but he just has negative feel for the game. And that kind of scares me when you're already looking at a guy who, as you said, can score, but he's more of an 18 foot and in kind of guy um he shot well from three but i think he only took like 33 last year um he's a mid post guy and i think that does have a little bit of value against switching defenses as that's kind of become more prevalent you need guys that can abuse smaller mismatches but if that's all he does and he doesn't defend well and he doesn't stretch the floor then what exactly what exactly does he does for do for you when you get to the playoffs i think he's a guy that easily gets run off the floor i think i I tweeted out a while ago that he's basically Jabari Parker with half the athleticism. And <laughs> that's, that's, that's not what you want. <laughs> not now it's not. At the time yeah. it was, right? It was the number oh, two pick in the draft. But no, <laughs> no it's, it's, it's definitely not. Well, yeah, and, and I think there are others like uh, through the year. It's funny. You know, we talk about Duke a lot, right? But, I mean, there have been some busts out of there of late, right? I mean, Okafor, right? And, uh, you know, Winslow has not been. But uh, you look at Okafor, you look at Parker. Uh, and some others. I think it's a good place to transition. We get to some of the wings here. Uh, and the third, you know, member of sort of the big three at Duke was Cam Reddish. Mm-hmm. And you have him as a tier one guy who could be there at that spot. What is the real likelihood? I mean, he's not slipping to 13, is he, Nikias? I don't think so. I think if you were just trying to pick one of the top four or five names in the draft, if there's a guy that's going to slide, I think it'll be him. Because there, I think there's um, there's definitely some validity to the argument that he struggled to kind of fit in as a third banana after being a number one for basically his entire basketball life. I think there's definitely validity to that. And also Duke's spacing was god-awful. And it was kind of a crime that they put that kind of spacing around Zion. But on the flip side, Cam Reddish was supposed to be de-spacing. And the fact that not only did he shoot poorly, he also couldn't finish worth anything is just kind of alarming. I do think you know, more NBA spacing, the larger floor, I think that's going to help him a bit. But it just kind of shook me a little bit how just how poorly he was offensively. And that was kind of his value. That a guy that could finish, a guy that could shoot and had some playmaking ability, he didn't really showcase any of that. And some of that can be... Um, circumstance, but we might have just collectively been a little bit too high on him. But if I, but no, I don't think he slips all the way to 13. I think that's a guy that maybe slips to eight or nine, and then maybe you call Atlanta and say, hey, we'll give you 13 and something mm-hmm. if the Heat really feels something about Cam Reddish. But no, I don't think he really – I don't think he drops to 13. All right, let's go with one more guy here. And this is one of the guys, along with Porter who's and Brandon Clark, who I've seen mock to the Heat the most, which is Bull Bull. And he's one of the most unique prospects we've seen in a long time. And of course, Manute played for the Heat. People forget that uh, briefly among a lot of other teams. What do you think of him? Will he be there at 13? How does he fit? I'm going to go backwards here. I think in theory, it's a fantastic fit. But I think um, Bam, especially defensively, is versatile enough to be a four. And if you're going to play him at the four, you have to pair him with a big man that can shoot the skin off the ball and Bobo can definitely can do that if he can't do anything else. And I think both with Bam being switchable and bold being just a massive human being at the rim. If you park him in a drop scheme, I think he can be a deterrent at the rim. He was a great shot blocker at Oregon last year and obviously a limited sample, but he was a terrifying rim protector there. Um, where it all falls apart for me is that he can't move, which is odd because offensively you see him handle the ball. You see him make these post fades, um, these, crazy finishes and transition and it's just it's frankly kind of video game like but defensively he can't move laterally at all and if we learn anything from the last three or four postseasons is that if you have a five that can't move laterally he's going to get played off the floor um, Rudy Gobert is at worst the second best interior defender in basketball and Houston has kind of rendered him useless in their matchups in the playoffs because he just can't defend elite guards in space Bobo can't defend anyone in space. It's it's been so bad. Like I've I've seen um, Sam Bassini, um, Coles Wicker guys kind of mentioned that you ca- you have you have to play zone with Bobo because he can't work in any other scheme. So if he's that well, the bad good news is that the Heat are already there. 
Well, this, yeah, that's <laughs> that kind of makes it more of a fit. But yeah, the fact that he's that bad defensively and he's that much of a liability, it's I mean, you have to look at the long term view. You want upside, but that upside kind of includes what he can do in a playoff setting. And if Bowl is a guy that's going to get played off the floor, then it's kind of a wasted pick for what you're trying to build. So while I love Bobo, I'm always going to root for Bobo. If he does, if he does land in Miami, I'm going to talk myself into it. I can, I can feel it. I love him, but I, the defense just scares me, and I'm, I'm just kind of off the board for him as a, as a Heat guy, just because I just don't see what he how he plays in the playoff setting. All right. So give it to us here, Nikias. Um, not who they think, not who they should pick, not who they should pick. Cause I think we got a general idea from you about that. You tend to love Brandon Clark, mm-hmm. but not who they should pick, but who will they pick? Um, if I had to guess today, I think PJ Washington is going to be the pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I, say, I think he's a great fit beside Bam. Um, obviously if you're getting justice Winslow attacking downhill or running pick and rolls with him, I think he's a guy that can kind of stretch the floor. He can space it for justice to drive. Those pick and pop opportunities are going to be there. And I think he projects as a guy that defends well enough to kind of work as a solid team defender. He might not be an elite rim protector, but I think he can be a guy that can that can get in the right spots and he'll help you on that end. Um, and if he develops on ball at all or becomes a better finisher, then you're looking at maybe not Paul Millsap, but a stretchier kind of version of him, maybe 80% of Millsap with more floor spacing. And I think you obviously take that. But uh, I think PJ Washington sounds like the guy for the. The thing about the thing with me and a Pat Rally organization is we can keep talking, and I know Chris, I agree with Chris on this that you got to take the biggest possible swing you can, whether it's Seiko or whoever it is. Mm-hmm. But Pat Rally talks himself into these guys who he's seen at big colleges. I mean, it's just he he has. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at their draft history, it's guys he's watched in the tournament. Like that's, you know, deep into the tournament. Like that's, and I mean, you know, even, I mean, Bam, you know, he played the one year, but you're talking Kentucky, you know, Justice, uh, Duke, you you know, Josh, okay. was like a four-year player at Tennessee. It's, it's just, it's hard for me, you know, which again is why PJ Washington may make some sense here, but I'm just, it's hard for me to see them actually going for the big potential, even though that's really what they need to do. Because I think Pat talks himself into the next Shabazz Napier sometimes. It's like, you know, <laughs> so right, saw, saw him in the tournament, right? You know, hungry Huskies, and we got to mm-hmm. have that guy. And again, LeBron kind of pushed that, obviously. But uh, th- that's where I'll be curious to see where they go. Because I just think it's very obvious at this point. They just need the highest upside player at any position and then sort it out. Like, just get that guy and sort it out. And we'll see where they are at 13. Nikias, appreciate you joining us. You can follow him at Nikias NBA. Also follow at MIA Heatbeat. Also 5ReasonsSports.com. Of course, um, we're waiting the centers. We didn't really get into the centers today for the most part, obviously, but with Bull Bull we did. But with most of the centers, we did not um, because you know I don't know that a lot of them are great fits when you've already got three on the roster. Um, mm-hmm. But certainly you should check out that article this week, and we'll talk to you soon. for listening to the Fire Ringer Podcast. Thank you so much. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.